Shulchan Aracharav, we are in Simen Reish Nun Beis, section 252. We were talking about non-Jews working for a Jew on Shabbos. There are many more details. We're going to switch gears and go to Halacha Tezvav, which is the 15th Halacha, which is a little bit of a different discussion. It is permitted to place kernels of wheat in a water mill close to nightfall on Friday. So that they will be ground without the need for further intervention throughout the entire Shabbos. This leniency is granted even when the mill belongs to a Jew. We are not concerned about the koil horichayim b'Shabbos, the noise that the mill makes on Shabbos, and the possibility that people will say that so-and-so's mill is grinding flour on Shabbos. Why don't we have this concern? Because everyone knows that the mill grinds without human intervention, and thus people will not come to suspect that the miller placed grain in the mill on Shabbos. There are authorities who differ with this ruling and forbid the use on Shabbos of a mill and any other implement that makes noise while performing its task without human intervention because of Zilzul Shabbos. This brings about the denigration of the Shabbos. For people will say that the task was begun on Shabbos. And it is for this reason, unless it's a case of danger, it is forbidden to leave a radio or a similar device running on Shabbos, even if it was turned on before Shabbos. Okay, license is granted only when the work is performed in the domain of a non-Jew, and the name of a Jew is not associated with the concern at all. For example, one is allowed to put wheat in a mill belonging to a non-Jew while it's still day on Friday, or give the wheat to a non-Jewish miller while it is still Dan Friday, and the non-Jew may place it in his mill even on Shabbos if he established a fixed fee for him, as explained above. Nevertheless, the Jew should not stand next to the non-Jewish miller on Shabbos to ensure that he does not steal flour because of the impression that might be created that people will say that the miller was the agent, the shliach of the Jew who was standing over him. License is granted only when a substantial loss is involved, in which case the Jew does not have to be concerned with the possibility of creating such an impression, as was explained in section 244, how much more so is leniency granted in situations that require watching the milling, for example, before Pesach, when a Jew must watch the mill to see that water does not enter and mix with the flour. With regard to the halacha, in a place where there's no established custom, one should rule stringently as mandated by the latter approach unless there is a loss involved, in which, in, in which case one may rely on the first approach. Okay. In Skundus Achnid Al-Tarebbe notes that the Ramah is lenient in the instance of a loss, as explained in section 244. Uh, the Ramah is referring to the ruling regarding customs duty um, in section 244 of the Ashulchan of Rav Yosef Cairo and in the in the case of customs duty, however, an ordinary loss is not sufficient cause for leniency. Leniency is granted only because of a significant loss. This implies that here too, that Amah is lenient only in the case of a significant loss. However, based on the statements of Magan Avram, the al explains that the case at hand is not identical 
to the case um, involving customs duty. On this basis, the Al-Tarebbe's ruling here can be explained. According to the second opinion that he brings, using the mill would be prohibited under all conditions. Nevertheless, according to the first opinion, it could be used under all conditions. Therefore, although as a preference we act stringently in accordance with the second opinion, based on the first opinion, leniency is granted even if there's merely an ordinary loss and not only when there is significant loss. Loss. Okay. Allah at Zion 16. Nevertheless, it is permitted to set up a clock that chimes on the hour that is operated by weights, even though it produces tones on Shabbos. And the source for this ruling in Sefer is the, the Sefer Agur, which was written in approximately 5240, which is 1480 of the Common Era. At that time, it was common to use clocks whose hands were moved via a weight mechanism. Once that mechanism reached the end of a cycle, it would have to be set up again by pulling the weight up manually. It's interesting that the Mahdi whale who lived a generation earlier does not mention that the manner in which these clocks worked was a matter of public knowledge. Okay. Even though it produces sounds on Shabbos, people will not say that one set it up on Shabbos unless violated the decree of a sages of producing tones on Shabbos, using the utensil designated for that purpose. Um, as will be explained in section 338, the rationale is that people know that such a clock is set up on the preceding day, for this is the ongoing practice to set up such clocks each day for the following Day. This concludes Halacha Tezayin and today's share.